Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. I'm Matthew Petty, and this is Florida Matters. The Florida Wildlife Corridor stretches from the Everglades to North Florida and the Panhandle. It includes 18 million acres of wild land and supports animals like the black bear, the key deer, Florida manatee, loggerhead sea turtle, and more, along with many threatened plant species. It's also important for fishing, ranching, recreational activities, and our state's drinking water. 10 million acres of the corridor are protected conservation land, but that leaves a lot of land vulnerable to development. And that's the focus of a documentary series called Protect Our Paradise. The Protect Our Paradise documentary series is streaming on the Discover Florida channel this fall. Today, we're talking about the threats facing Florida's wildlands and wildlife, what it costs to preserve conservation land, and who's going to pay for it and whether it's even possible to save the 8 million unprotected acres in the wildlife corridor. Joining us by Zoom are Chad Crawford, the host of Protect Our Paradise, Tracy Dean, CEO of Conservation Florida, and Republican State Representative Keith Trunow, a sod farmer and rancher from Mount Dora, and one of the authors of the bill that led to the creation of the Florida Wildlife Corridor Act in 2021. Chad, you've hosted TV shows that highlight Florida's natural environment for years, from How to Do Florida to Flip My Florida Yard. What about this series, though? What was the goal for the series? Oh, gosh. I think the goal with a lot of my series is telling people what I think they don't know. We live in such a transient state. You know, when I started How to Do Florida, it was about introducing people to the Florida that I love. I felt like if I could get them to fall in love with Florida like I do, that I think they would be less apathetic about the environmental impacts that are affecting it. And that just takes the physicality of you being there, experiencing it, the sunrise, the camping, the water, the waves. And so that's really what that show was about. It was more of a family show, encouraging and really empowering people to, okay, this is what this looks like. We did that for what, 13 seasons, over 120 shows. And I felt like it kind of had gotten to the point where I needed to really speak more honestly and openly to my audience about some of the issues that I've seen happen over the course of my career, 15 years of, of really traveling all over Florida, seeing Florida probably like very few have seen, because I think if people know and they're presented this information in a way that doesn't feel judgmental, but feels just honest and truthful. I firmly believe that they would resonate with that message and ultimately want to do something about it. What did you learn from shooting the series? Oh gosh, Matthew, this series was just so heavy. I mean, I'm used to going out, kind of having fun, camping, catching fish, catching lobster, maybe jumping out of a plane or hot air balloon riding. This content was just heavy. We're talking about our water, we're talking about growth. We're talking about our coral reefs, algae blooms. It, this was a heavy series for me. It quite honestly took a toll on me mentally and physically just getting through it. But it's an important series. Yeah, I uh, learned so much, met incredible people. 
but ultimately walked away with with hope, you know, because of those people that I met. Tracy, the wildlife corridor is about 18 million acres, 10 million, I understand, is protected, but that leaves about 8 million unprotected acres. Just how vulnerable is that to development and what's it going to cost to protect and preserve it? Just so everyone knows, our, our very first episode of Protect Our Paradise is focused on our corridor and what we can all do to protect the remaining acreage so that we do have a functional Florida Wildlife Corridor for future generations. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Uh, the corridor is approximately 18 million acres, 10 of which are protected. 8 million of those are what we call opportunity areas. Our state is growing every single day and, and rapidly. So a lot of that acreage is very vulnerable. But thanks to an incredible amount of funding from our state, thanks to the leadership of Representative Trunell for bringing focus to the Florida Wildlife Corridor, thanks to our state, our federal fellow nonprofit partners, and, and frankly, people just like you and the listeners who care and who donate to groups like Conservation Florida and other land trusts throughout the state, you know, we will protect a few more million acres. Will mm. we catch all 8 million? No, that's not the goal. The goal is to protect a functional statewide corridor from Pensacola to the Florida Keys. And that opportunity can 100% become a reality. I guess just to kind of walk back a little bit and fill in listeners who may not be familiar with it, I mean, it's literally a corridor for animals like the panther, the black bear, uh, and other creatures to pass from north to south, right? Yes. So our corridor, imagine it as a, almost a green swath spanning our state. It connects the Keys to Georgia and Alabama. It fully exists today. And that's thanks to wildlands, conservation lands, and agricultural lands. Agricultural lands play a significant role in our Florida Wildlife Corridor. Uh, and the remaining acreage left to be protected overwhelmingly is agricultural land. So thanks to working lands and current conservation lands and the remaining natural lands in our state, we do have a Florida Wildlife Corridor that spans our state. What we want to do is protect a functional corridor in perpetuity forever and to ensure that that corridor is there for future generations, for people and nature alike, for those wide roaming mammals like the Florida panther or our black bear to be able to travel the state and have the space they need to thrive. You sound optimistic, Tracy, but I just from that very first episode at one point there, Conservation Florida, I believe it's the vice president there, Adam Bass, has asked, can conservation keep pace with development? And his answer is a flat out no. So that kind of, to me, paints a little more of a grim picture of what's at stake. I'm wondering, I mean, is it inevitable? Do you think that the Florida of the future is going to be a less wild, more industrialized place where native species are more threatened and, and struggle to thrive? I am definitely an optimist. I think there's great hope for the future of our state, particularly because Floridians overwhelmingly care about what makes Florida, Florida. We've seen a humongous amount of support for the protection of the Florida Wildlife Corridor, for protection of places that keep our state wild. But yes, we are losing special places and fast. Adam and I and our entire land protection team, we do take some losses. But because of all of the people who care, because of our state's leaders, because of everyone really rallying around this idea that we can, and this vision 
that we can do something tremendous for our state and protect a functional corridor that really protects water and wildlife and wild places and protects food security and national security and our rural economies, we know that it's possible Mm. and we hold on to that hope. And that's what drives us every single day. Representative True Now, you were one of the architects of the bill that led to the 2021 Florida Wildlife Corridor Act. What was the goal there in getting it through? And how would you say it's working now a couple of years after its passage? I think things are moving in the right direction in a pretty fast pace. I think the corridor is realistic. I think the legislature is committed to the endeavor. I think the long-term project will cost the state a lot of dollars continuously we're going to have to work on different methods to get to the goal. But I think everyone is realizing preserving and protecting the lands is vital to all the ecosystems and and humans are part of that ecosystem. I mean, we have to preserve our watersheds and and our drinking water and and all those other things. If we could do that, we we can make a difference. And I think we're on track to making that difference. As Tracy was saying, the act is much about preserving agricultural land as it is preserving wildland. I wonder if you could talk about how that works from the landowner's perspective. Well, we face a lot of challenges in, in the agricultural world. So sustaining working ranches and farms is a huge opportunity that if we don't do something about it with the things that we're doing, we're going to lose those things. I mean, the over vast majority of the food we eat today is coming from somewhere else. And we have the ability to do it right here and do it well. So protecting those lands is just as important as the wildlife corridor for animals too. But there are some pressures, right? And I'm sure for a lot of farmers, when you're faced with challenges to whatever crop you're producing, whether it's citrus or you're raising cattle or anything else, and then a developer comes and sort of dangles a a good price for your land, it must be hard to turn that down. So what do you say to folks who are thinking it would make more sense for me economically and my family to get out of this business and sell up and do something else? Well, and that's a, that's the real challenge that we face. And so this year we, we took some steps to speed up the process in which you can get your properties in some sort of uh, conservation or even a fee simple purchase. So I think that we're moving forward and trying to create products that work for landowners. Um, We don't have the silver bullet yet, but I think we keep doing something every year to curb that challenge to make things better. Chad, from your experience shooting this documentary series, what were some of the conversations that you were able to have with landowners and kind of see it from their perspective, thinking about turning over some of their land to conservation land to keep it as agricultural land? Well, I think the overall sentiment is that they don't want to see it developed. They want to see that land wild. They want to pass it down to the next generation. I think for these landowners, there's that struggle to keep their kids in ranching. There's a lot of other things that, you know, the kids might want to do besides ride horses and work with cows all day. But for the lucky few that that have their kids who want to stay in that, that's great. But not every rancher has that option. And I think what became clear to me throughout this, and I know what I knew about Conservation Florida going into this and the whole land trust concept, and I think we worked really hard to try to get people to understand what that is. Because at the end of the day, this is about 
buying land and protecting it. And that really is the only way to ensure that Florida is going to have these wild lands left. It's not hoping, you know, we'll see what happens. It is an aggressive approach at trying to buy up as much land before developers get it. And Tracy and Conservation Florida, along with other land trust orgs, are in a a race to get as much land purchased as we can. I remember one guy said, I was talking, he said, don't fight it, just buy it. That's just where we're at. So one thing that I remember asking Peggy Carr for our growth episode, I wanted to know, does Florida have a max capacity? Will we reach a tipping point with how many people we can have in the state living using resources where it becomes just such a an impact on our environment? And, you know, she said, yeah, I think Florida does have a max capacity. I think we can get to a place where you have protected land and that's it and developed land. Look, the 2070 report said by the year 2070, we're going to have 33.7 million people in our state. That's 10 million more than we have now. That's a lot of other people that need a place to live, that need resources, that need water. So planning for that and knowing that that's coming is really going to define our future. I think that's absolutely right. And I'll add all three of us on this call. We are very proud Floridians. We love this place. We love to live here and work here and raise our families here. And we are not anti-development. And we know that we need thriving communities and healthy places to live. And what we're saying and what we're really in this series, hopefully inspiring, is to plan ahead, to look at the state of our state and acknowledge that what we save and what we pave matters. And so if we strategically and collectively protect the places that we need to and grow where we can, then the future of Florida, I mean, it could be very bright, but we have to acknowledge that planning is important and that protecting our special places is also critical. You're listening to Florida Matters. We're talking with Conservation Florida CEO Tracy Dean, television host Chad Crawford, and Republican State Representative Keith Trunow. The conversation about the Florida Wildlife Corridor continues after the break. Welcome back to Florida Matters. I'm Matthew Petty. Let's get back to the conversation about the Florida Wildlife Corridor and the race to try and save 8 million unprotected acres of land that make up nearly half of the corridor. We're talking with Tracy Dean, CEO of Conservation Florida, Chad Crawford, host of a documentary series about the Wildlife Corridor called Protect Our Paradise, and State Representative Keith Trunow, a Republican from Lake County who is one of the authors of the bill that led to the creation of the Florida Wildlife Corridor Act in 2021. Are there some limits to what land can be used for once it's part of the Wildlife Corridor? Say, for example, somebody who's working the land agriculturally turns some of it over to conservation uses are there limits on the kind of intensivity they can use it for? And I mean, I wonder if there's some uses of the land which may be more intensive and more harmful to wildlife that would be off limits once it's part of that corridor. So the answer is yes. When we conserve land via conservation easement, for example, predominantly it depends on 
the program. There are many different conservation easement programs. There is a program, the Rural and Family Lands Program, through our Department of Agriculture, and another program through the USDA's NRCS program that's also focused on agricultural lands that does allow for ongoing agricultural practices. There are other programs that focus more on natural systems. And having both, having that balance is, is really important. But yes, a conservation easement will, for example, keep a property owner and all future property owners from doing specific destructive things on the property. Uh, it will typically on a ranch allow for ongoing ranching, but won't necessarily allow for mining or dredging and other more intensive uses. What we have experienced at Conservation Florida, and I think what Chad referenced earlier, is that when we're visiting these ranches, what we're seeing are some of the last vast green landscapes left in our state. They're some of the best stewarded and best managed wild places I've ever experienced in Florida. So I know many listeners, when we're talking about agricultural lands, are thinking, what? You know, why? Why would we want to focus on conserving those lands? But not only are they helping feed Florida and keeping family businesses in place and, and contributing significantly to our rural and our state economies, they're also protecting our endangered species. They're storing water and they're helping recharge our aquifer and the ecosystem services they're providing to our state haven't really been fully measured. But once you get out there, you absolutely know. I want to just come back to that. 8 million acre figure. And as you were saying earlier, Tracy, trying to get all of that 8 million unprotected acres protected may be a bridge too far, but there are several million you think can be protected. But since the Florida Wildlife Corridor Act was signed, I think some 120,000 acres have been approved for conservation. So at that rate, it would take a very long time to hit a few more million acres. I wonder if that sort of worries you. And you, you talked earlier about it being a race against time, essentially, to store away some of that land for the corridor. So how do you do that math? Like, what do you think is realistic? Well, I'm absolutely loving the pace right now. I think that the representative was right on that the legislature and our state's leadership has taken this very seriously and, and has acknowledged that it will take a true, continued and ongoing investment. Meaningful and consistent funding from our state and our federal partners will be of the utmost importance to maintain this pace. But what I do find a lot of hope and optimism in is that there are people like Chad who are telling the story. There are conservation groups across the state that are boots on the ground connecting with landowners and partners to bring about good old-fashioned land conservation as fast as we can. And we can move as fast as there is funding. And so there are willing landowners out there, more than we probably can actually work with at this point. They're, they're identifying their properties for conservation rapidly. So the land is out there to be saved. There are good people on the ground doing it. And then we have state leadership that is putting the, you know, the money where their mouths are and supporting land conservation. So we are in a very unique moment in time in Florida where all of us are rallying behind this idea that protecting our paradise that needs to happen now. That's very exciting. Representative Trudenauer, I wanted to come back to you for a moment and just talk more about the funding part of the piece, at least the state funding. My understanding is the goal for funding conservation land purchases this year was something like 300 to $350 million a year, but the actual amount funded was more like $100 million. 
bit of a difference there. I'm wondering how do you increase state funding for conservation land? What do you think the solution is there? Well, you know, a permanent source of funding would be great, but utilizing the budgets that we've had in the past few years has been extraordinarily good, and and we have a lot of funds moving that way. But I think more told is looking at these projects and, and understanding the landowner's situations, enhancing the product, meaning making the process move at a faster pace, you know, eliminating some of the hurdles that are have been out there on some of these programs, I think is key as well. I mean, probably more so than the funds themselves. I think we have adequate funding in the pipeline right now. We just need to make sure that we utilize it properly and hold them accountable for what they do and then and get these projects finished. I think we'll continue to put funds aside in the future to do the same thing as we move forward. But when you talk about a permanent source of funding, wasn't that provided by the 2014 constitutional amendment that set aside, I think, one third of documentary stamp tax from property sales for conservation land purchase? You know, there have been some criticisms of the way that was implemented, conservation groups saying a lot of that revenue isn't going towards the purchase of conservation land. So, Representative, I wonder, does there just need to be more oversight of how that money is spent and what it's spent on? Yes. I mean, the, the Florida Forever, $100 million a year, but there was some discretionary measures in that process. I mean, we had some really trying years through the Great Recession and, and getting to where we're at today, but you know, the amount of funding that we're willing to put forward today is, is making up for a lot of those times. So it's, it's difficult to say how it should be, but at the same time, when we do have funds available, that we utilize them properly. Tracy. I'll also add that Land conservation was funded this year at about a billion dollars, and that's more in one single year than ever in our state's history. So yes, we have via legislation 100 million in revolving appropriations for our Florida Forever program, but Mm -hmm. this legislature actually appropriated more money for land conservation, again, than ever in our history. We've actually seen about $2 billion invested in land conservation in the last three years. And for those of us who've been working in land conservation, it cannot be understated how extraordinary of an opportunity this is. And to know that our state leaders are interested in continued funding for land conservation allows those of us working on the land to plan ahead, to begin having conversations with landowners about not just right now, but next year, the year after that, the year after that. It enables us and empowers us to begin to do the planning that we were talking about earlier. So yes, we have seen some years with not so great funding in the past decade, but Mm. right now we are seeing land conservation funded like never before. Where did that $1 billion come from then? Our legislature set aside about 400 or so million for one part of the corridor, the Ocala to Osceola, another Mm. 400 or so, 425 in each for another significant part of the corridor in Southwest Florida. And those are really exciting opportunities. We have uh, really good land conservation organizations working in both of those regions that are actively connecting with landowners right now to put that money right into land conservation. So we've not ever had an appropriation that large in our history. And so we're all just, we're all smiles really in the Mm. land conservation world because We have funding like never before and the opportunity like never before. Keith, I want to just come back to 
you for a moment. The wildlife corridor is one aspect of environmental preservation in Florida, but it's, it's not the only thing. So what else is being done legislatively to protect the natural environment outside of the corridor? I think there are a host of things that are happening, uh, even with building codes and things that we do and how we create these new uh, subdivisions in Florida, how we uh, put policy in place to uh, preserve the water. And it's very complex, right? I mean, not only does the wildlife corridor mean so much, but a lot of the policy that's being written is written to enhance the wildlife corridor. Isn't there some policy, though, that makes it harder for, say, individuals to challenge new development? I mean, I wonder if there's some policy that actually kind of works against conservation issues. I'm sure there are some things that might be seen that way. I mean, some legislation was passed this year to utilize spaces within urban developments or cities or municipalities. That, to me, protects some of the urban areas and the wildlife corridors as well. So, I mean, just looking for good common sense growth is vital to protecting what we have. Chad, I wanted to just sort of wrap things up with you here. Who are you hoping to reach with the documentary series? And you mentioned at the top of our conversation that was kind of a heavy lift in terms of seeing some of what might be lost or what is being lost, as well as some hope in there too. But what's next for you in terms of the next thing you want to do to showcase Florida's environment? I think this series is Conservation 101. You've lived here your whole life, just moved here, want to move here. I feel like this should be required viewing to give you a sense of where we're at, what needs to happen, some of the challenges that we have in front of us. This is a call to be engaged, to know, and to be aware. And just because so many people just don't know what they don't know, just because they moved here two years ago. And so this, for me, is a little bit of a conservation 101. Here's where we're at. Here's some of the major issues that we're facing. And we tried to do it in a way that felt that we didn't alienate any one group, but we tried to keep it very just about the facts and kind of where we're at uh, at the same time, you know, inviting people to be a part of the solution, because I honestly feel like we're all part of the problem. And so we need to kind of go into it thinking that and knowing that it's no one group, it's no one sector or industry. We're all part of the problem. And um, I think that's kind of where we're at. I think for a long time, there was a lot of finger pointing and a lot of it. Well, it's them. It's it's this, it's those people. It's ag. It's 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 yards. It's well, it's it's a little bit of everything. And I think there is this kind of consensus now. I think the wind is at our back and I think it's a great time for Florida to really kind of continue to double down on not only the state's commitment to this, but what is our own responsibility? There's a reason the word our is in the title, because this is our paradise. It's not the government's. It's not, you know, this is not something that we need to rely on the government or orgs to fix. Like we all need to press in and be part of the solution and partner with orgs, but we can no longer just assume that certain departments are taking care of everything. Like they're doing their job, but they can only do so much. Like we need to be engaged in that process. And that's where we're at. And that's what I want this series to stoke in the heart and mind of every Floridian. And where can people see it? It will be premiering on the streaming channel, the Discover Florida channel starting in October. And that'll be a video on demand streaming service. So you can go and 
and watch it anytime. Well, I want to thank you all for joining me, Chad Crawford, the host of Protect Our Paradise. Chad, thank you so much. Thank you. Tracy Dean, CEO of Conservation Florida. Tracy, thank you. Thank you, Matt. And Representative Keith Trunow. Keith, thank you. Yes, sir. Happy to be here. That's our show for this week. Find us on social media. Search for Florida Matters on Facebook and Twitter. And we're online at wusf.org. Our producer is Steve Newborn. I'm Matthew Petty. Thanks for listening.